Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. This week, all eyes in the political world are going to be on the Midwest. The reason? It's, uh, it's special election season in Ohio. Special election season in Ohio. I know, that doesn't sound too exciting, which our politics editor, Scott Bland, he's aware of. It's the middle of summer, not a time uh, people are usually thinking about politics. And then you layer on top of that, these are both safe seats, more or less, for, for these two parties. See, there are two congressional primaries in different parts of the state happening tomorrow. One is for a seat that was held by Marsha Fudge, a Democrat who left to become Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, and another that was held by Republican Steve Stivers, who stepped down to head up Ohio's Chamber of Commerce. And as Scott said, these are both safe seats. A Democrat's expected to take Fudge's job, and a Republican's probably going to take over for Stivers. Which sounds like not much is going to change. On paper, these are just not the most exciting kinds of races. But they can be really interesting because this is where change in Congress happens. It's it's not so much with, you know, challengers beating incumbents in primaries. That happens sometimes. But most of the change that happens in Congress is from older members retiring or resigning or what have you, and then they get replaced. And, and the manner in which they get replaced and the kind of the forces shaping those campaigns tell us a lot about what the parties are and where they're headed in the future. I'm Jeremy Siegel. This is Politico Dispatch. And today... The race to replace Secretary Marsha Fudge in Congress has entered the next phase. It's a crowded field vying for former Congressman Steve Stiver's seat. And today... Scott Bland on the two contentious Ohio primaries that could be an indication of where the two parties are headed in the post-Trump world. Let's start with the Democratic seat formerly held by Marsha Fudge in northeastern Ohio. Who is running to replace her? And what are the political dynamics at play in this primary? The two main candidates are Nina Turner, who was the chair of Bernie Sanders' 2020 presidential campaign and one of his top and most, most well-known surrogates. Medicare for all would not still be being debated if it was not for that progressive movement, canceling student debt, legalizing marijuana. Versus Chantel Brown, who is a um, county councilwoman in the Cleveland area, Cuyahoga County. As a youth ministry leader, I have young people looking at me. So leading by example is uh, important. And I've been living here and I'm not going anywhere. Who has kind of adopted the traditional Democratic establishment mantle versus the Sanders-aligned. Nina Turner. This race has become, uh, you can use any word you want, contentious, heated, <laughs> nasty. Did you expect it to get this way? You know what? Um, I can't say that I'm completely surprised. Uh, past behavior. Uh, like many races that have, have fallen along these lines, it's gotten uh, very tough, uh, pretty brutal. There's only one candidate out of those 13 who put a red box up on their website to invite dark money, dirty money, to come in here millions of dollars at a time, to come in here and upset this seat. People who do not even care about this district. The gloves are off and the mudslinging is well underway between Cuyahoga County Democratic Party Chair Chantel Brown and former 
former Ohio State Senator Nina Turner. You know, th- this is a really big opportunity for the progressive left in the, the Democratic Party. They've been making some strides and kind of building up their strength in Congress the past few election cycles. And 2022 is going to be a really big, big year for them. You've got redistricting going on that's going to scramble districts everywhere. There's usually a lot of retirements surrounding that. There's going to be a lot of opportunities uh, for them to go after some open seats, maybe to go after a few incumbents like they have in the past who are going to be in kind of newer and unfamiliar territory. Mm-hmm. You know, th- this is kind of the first test run of, of a wave of these these candidacies that we're going to see over the next year. On the flip side, you've got Sanders and others uh, supporting Turner. You've got the Congressional Black Caucus, uh, the political arm of the Congressional Black Caucus supporting Brown, which has really ruffled some feathers because Brown and Turner are both black. And uh, it's it's unusual to see the CBC picking sides in in a race between uh, two black women. Hmm. Uh, Joyce Beatty, uh, the congresswoman from Ohio, who's the chair of the CBC, and other CBC members have have spoken out about this, and they they don't like Turner. They they find her abrasive. Uh, they don't like that she speaks out against uh, fellow Democrats as frequently as she does. And in particular, they don't like that she compared voting to Joe Biden to eating a bowl of excrement um, and that she um, has kind of criticized Jim Clyburn, um, the uh, number three Democrat in the House and a black man from South Carolina for not um, doing enough to capitalize on, on, you know, his role in boosting Biden for, for not like getting enough back from that uh-huh. in terms of policy wins. And um they're, they're uh, you know, Beatty and others really don't don't like her. Um, and, and you know, in kind of a funny twist, um, they Beatty and and a, and a handful of other uh, senior Black House Democrats are holding an event for Brown um, in the same building that that Bernie Sanders is holding an event for Turner uh, in the closing days of the campaign. So it's a quite quite the split screen there. Okay, so in Cleveland, there's this pretty contentious showdown between the progressive wing and the more traditional wing of the Democratic Party with lots of national figures now getting involved in the race. What about the other race in central Ohio? What's going on in that primary for the traditionally Republican-held congressional seat? Yeah, you know, there's there's a a bigger cast of main characters, I think, in, in that that 15th district, the Republican primary. Mm-hmm. There's Jeff LeRae, uh, a state legislator who uh, has been endorsed by Steve Stivers, the former congressman who who held the seat. And Stivers is actually spending a bunch of money out of his old campaign account to, to boost this guy. Um, there's another state rep, Ron Hood, who's backed by uh, Rand Paul. And then there's, there's a woman, Ruth Edmonds, who's a, a church leader who got backing from um, Debbie Meadows, who's the wife of Trump's former White House chief of staff, Mark Meadows, and and she has this group that boosts uh, female Republicans. Mm. And you know the thing that that I think has generated the most interest there is that uh, Donald Trump got involved. Voters in Ohio's 15th congressional district have a very long slate of candidates to get through in the special election set for August. But former President Donald Trump is trying to help them make up their mind. He gave an endorsement to Mike Carey, um, who's a, a former energy lobbyist. Um, and, you know, it's, it's interesting first for, for a couple of reasons. First of all, you know, there, there doesn't seem to be any particular reason why why Trump would have had to, to put his his name on the line here. Hmm. Most candidates running in Republican primaries are, are Trumpy to to some extent, and as and as are a number in this primary. But now that Trump has jumped in, kind of his 
his cachet is on the line, right? And we we just saw actually a Trump endorsed candidate lose in kind of an odd Republican versus Republican special election in Texas last week. I'm looking at the front page tonight of the Texas Tribune, and I'm going to read you the headline, which is, in a major upset against a candidate backed by Donald Trump, Jake Elsey wins runoff for Fort Worth area congressional seat. Um, his, his chosen candidate lost to the other Republican who was in the, who made the top two for this, this runoff. Mm-hmm. But what I think the former president's political advisors are concerned about is if Kerry, his candidate in Ohio, loses on the heels of Susan Wright, his candidate in Texas, losing. There's this appearance of of him losing clout in, within the party, and that that would be a, that would be a big thing, right? Like you know, the, the the party is is really his right now. It's kind of fascinating here how you have one race that's this big test of how progressive the Democratic Party wants to go, and you have this other race that's a big test of how Trumpy the Republican Party wants to go or wants to stay. What do you think these two primaries reveal about the politics of this moment, of the post-Trump Joe Biden era? You know, the the Democratic primary that we've been talking about, Brown... Um, has, has definitely kind of put a lot of weight on on the idea that she wants to go to Washington to work with fellow Democrats, work with her party, work with the White House, and and kind of contrasting that with Turner's more left leaning ideology and her willingness to call out people who who don't who kind of aren't living up to what she sees as as right based on that. And so you know I think it will be somewhat telling what. Democratic voters in that district decide to to make of that of that question, you know, and and it's a very interesting counterpoint to um, to to Trump, right? Where like if you know a, a Republican candidate who criticizes Trump in more or less any way, except maybe saying that oh they don't like the mean tweets, like anything kind of more substantive than that, they usually get like bashed over the head with it in in a primary and then they lose. Um, you know, Turner Turner could well win. Um, in a situation where everyone knows that she's not a, a huge fan of Joe Biden. And, and I, you know, that that's kind of interesting, right? Like that says a lot about the the kind of like different ways the parties are set up at the moment. Um, and then, you know, with the, with the Republican primary outside Columbus, I think, again, there's so much, there's so many local factors going on in these races. There's so much beyond um, who the endorsers are and stuff like that. But I think, I think it does almost no matter the result, I think it just does shine a light that, like, Trump's endorsement is not the only thing that matters in Republican politics right now. Mm. The way the race has played out is kind of an interesting reminder that Trump is not everything that's going on here. Even if even if his, his kind of cachet and his influence is on the line a little bit. Scott Bland, thanks so much for talking with me. Hey, thanks for having me. Also, today, the nation's top infectious disease expert, Dr. Anthony Fauci, says he does not think the U.S. will need to re-enter lockdown as the Delta strain of the coronavirus drive surges in new cases across the country. Speaking to ABC over the weekend, Fauci did warn that, quote, things are going to get worse as the Delta variant continues to spread and cast the blame on the some 100 million Americans who are eligible for the vaccine but have not received it. 
Fauci also cautioned about breakthrough infections among vaccinated individuals, which he said is to be expected because no vaccine is 100 percent effective. But in those cases, he said, individuals experience mostly mild or non-existent symptoms and noted that unvaccinated people have a much greater chance of getting infected in the first place. And new federal filings show that former President Donald Trump's political committees brought in a whopping $82 million during the first half of 2021 and have $102 million in the bank. The figures, which were first shared with Politico, underscore the profound reach of Trump's fundraising power, and the scenario is virtually unprecedented. Never in history has a former president banked nine figures worth of donations to power a political operation. Today's episode included music composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. Be sure to subscribe to Politico Dispatch if you haven't yet. And if you want to help us out, tell a friend to check out the show. I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening.